probably a person as young as five years old has a pretty good idea of what a nursing home is, a traditional nursing home. And they pretty much know early on, that's not where I'd want to have my later years spent. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark big or small is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways that we can age with energy, joy, and purpose. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email newsletter, The Insider, where where you'll get uh, behind-the-scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, you know who I've got right by my side. I just took a great walk with uh, my Jack Russell Sparky. It's actually full sun in Syracuse. Oh, my goodness. People are just flooding the streets with their dogs. We have a great interview for you today. Have you ever thought about long-term care, whether you're exploring possibilities for your loved ones or even considering your own future living needs? Well, overall, most people are not that impressed with the conventional nursing home options. Today, we're going to learn about another kind of housing concept that is much more appealing and enjoyable than what we're used to. We'll be talking to Susan Ryan, and she's the Senior Director of The Greenhouse Project, a project which addresses quality long-term care environments that are accessible and affordable. They've enjoyed some notoriety lately as these setups are smaller and more intimate, and they're they're for avoiding the COVID contagion that has really impacted so many nursing homes. Welcome to the show, Susan. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. I I was so enthralled with your your talking that uh, for a moment I almost lost myself. I, I want your <laughs> newsletter and I want oh, all the, the fun things that you oh, do. But, thanks. Um, bottom line, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And it's been really interesting, Susan. You know, I've been following you in the Greenhouse Project for quite a while, and I keep seeing how you guys are really doing well, particularly, you know, as we contrast it to some of the the terrible, heartbreaking problems that have uh, befallen the typical uh, long-term care facilities. Yeah, it has certainly been a, a, a devastating experience in nursing homes across the country. And I, you know, I think for me, it's 
probably a person as young as five years old has a pretty good idea of what a nursing home is, a traditional nursing home. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much know early on, that's not where I'd want to have my later years spent. And so a greenhouse home, the reason for its success, and I will speak as a nurse right now, I think the greenhouse model is one of the most best infection control models out there. And Mm -hmm. here's why. It is a real home. And I always say no home is impenetrable to this uh, virus, but at the same time, what do we know about good infection control? And what do we know about real home? Well, in a greenhouse home, you have all private rooms with an ensuite shower. So that means you've got privacy, you've got dignity in mm-hmm. your own room, private room. You're not sharing it with one, or in some cases in nursing homes, two or three other people mm-hmm. in that same room. You've got the ability to have your bathing needs met in your own private uh, bathroom, which has a walk-in uh, shower there. In addition to that, you ha- we have decentralized departments. So that means cooking is done in each home. It's an open concept. There are 10 or 12 private rooms. So when I say real home, it's mm-hmm. not just home-like, but it's a real home. Mm-hmm. And so you'll the smells of home. You have food cooking um, because it's a decentralized kitchen once again, and everything 24-7 access to nutrition and hydration. It's there. There's one long table, a dining table, where um, those that live in greenhouse homes would take their meals. In COVID, obviously, there were uh, some challenges there. But even in this long table, we were able, in many cases, to get four or five people to that table, keep a socially distanced space, Mm -hmm. and uh, be able to enjoy that camaraderie of good food um, and good company. And community-like connection, which we all know as mammals, and and we've seen more and more with COVID, is is fundamental in good mental health. Absolutely. We are social creatures. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. We are hardwired for those connections as humans we crave it we want companionship we want Mm. that sense of community and you know when i think about what's occurred in nursing homes across the country and how deprived when the ban on family visitations Mm. occurred um they were deprived of you know lifeblood i mean i don't know what i would have done if uh, my parents had been in nursing homes during this time I don't know. I think I would probably be tempted to to put on a lab coat or do something mm. to <laughs> sneak to get in. in just because it's that desperate. It is that desperate, not just for me as the adult child, but for that person, my loved one that is there. But I think you know, in a greenhouse home, I also want to just you know talk about the access to outside mm-hmm. and being able to just enjoy the fresh air, the sunshine. Um, as a nurse, again, it's that vitamin D, and we know that helps with sleep, it helps with mood, it helps with building our immune systems. There's so much there that's vitally important to our overall health and well-being. But back to the community um, comment that you made, it, it gave opportunity for barbecues to happen. You can socially distance at a, a barbecue or 
actually I like to say physically distant at a, a barbecue. Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. do it safely. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened at Greenhouse Homes, that there was a sense of normalcy. Gardening. I can't tell you how many gardens oh, were planted gosh. amid the pandemic because mm-hmm. that access to outside made it possible for them to be able to do things that are just so vitally important to their overall health and well-being, who we are as humans. You're talking about basic quality of life. That's it, right? I mean, who wants to live sitting in front of a television or whatever it is, you know, and... We, I, I believe, um, and I think science will back me up, Arisa, we don't even understand all of the positive benefits of being outside. We know that being near trees and shrubs is healthy for our brain. We know the sun, vitamin D. We know all that. But I think that there are aspects, well, certainly there's been some, you know, research in, in, in Asia that says you're getting a whole lot of immune boost from being outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, there's, in fact, I, I posit, I just wonder, what would it look like even if we had just distributed vitamin D supplements? Because I do believe, to your point about the immune system, I think it's really critically important to boosting our um, immune systems. But, um, you know, holistically speaking, just to be able to feel the fresh air on your mm-hmm. face. I mean, how important is that? Mm-hmm. And think about lockdown and what it would have been like. And I can tell you from my perspective, lockdown, if I had to stay in my room, have my mm-hmm. meals delivered to me in my room, oh. if I were deprived of being able to go outside, what it would do to my overall mental health, Mm -hmm. but the impact on my physical health as well, the ability to exercise, to move, to retain any type of mobility, functional mobility, Mm -hmm. I would have been robbed of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think, you know, what the greenhouse model has been able to do amid such horrific experiences, when you contrast that to traditional nursing homes and the systems and structures that did not enable... um, our elders to get outside and to enjoy that sense of community and sense of normalcy. Um, it's not to say that it was easy in greenhouse, but I can tell you that our data would indicate that we fared far better in greenhouse homes um, than their counterparts. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and I, I saw that. I saw some of that data. Could you give us a little bit more detail? Um, certainly, uh, I think people are getting the picture that this is a very different operation. But can you give just a little bit of detail like you had talked about, I think, 10 to 12 rooms? Are these homes uh, close to each other? Do they have backyards? I mean, what what are the specs, so to speak? Sure. What are you looking at? that would make it a greenhouse home? So smaller is better. We just believe that was part of the magic. So um, even getting very specific with with square footage, we have greenhouse homes as small as um, 6,000 square feet that would contain 10 people Mm -hmm. um, with their, that open concept uh, kitchen, hearth area, kind of the dining room, living room, kitchen is what we call our hearth, the heart of the home. Um, the private rooms, you know, 
and private showers would be comprise that uh, decentralized laundry. So you've got uh, laundry right there. So you don't have laundry carts coming and going in this home. Mm -hmm. Um, Housekeeping is done there by a universal worker. So your care is provided, your uh, cooking is provided, and laundry, housekeeping, those sorts of things are provided by um, the same person who's doing your care. So what does that mean for infection control? That means fewer people are coming and going. I don't have a dietary aide coming in to do the cooking, which would be an additional person. I don't have a laundry aide coming in to do the laundry. But I have robust staffing that enables that universal worker to do it all. Um, You talked about outside. The outside is an enclosed courtyard. Um, Most of our homes are single-family homes, so that they would be uh, grade level, meaning that we're not a multi-story building. The majority are built as single-family homes with an enclosed courtyard that you can walk right out to. Mm -hmm. But we do have some that um, are in more urban areas, and so they're built as an apartment building, a condo uh, building would be and you would have a a greenhouse home on either side of the elevator but once again it functions as an autonomously functioning household it's a home and if you lived in a condo in a building a vertical building it's your home and it's autonomously functioning from that of your neighbors and in the case of greenhouse homes on higher levels they have um they have a, a, a balcony that uh, is a screened-in porch type of a thing, so they still get to be able to get outside. Um, lots of uh, gardening can occur in mm-hmm. container pots out there. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's home that's similar to that within your community. So it doesn't all look the same, but what do houses look like in your community? Um, and sometimes if you're in Boston, it's going to look vertical and you're going to have a lot of condos and apartment buildings. And so greenhouse homes uh, in Boston um, go vertical. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it looks like there. But again, that value of having access to outside, be it a screened in porch, mm-hmm. um, being it being able to go down to the main level and have an, um, an extended um, enclosed patio where you can do some larger events there. Oh, that sounds lovely. Um, I've been known to go in my backyard um, when it's getting a little cooler out, wrapped in a blanket just mm. to be outside and hear yeah, the birds. Exactly. Yep, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big believer. Now, one of the things that you talked about or, or, or is uh, part of the model is that these homes are accessible and affordable. And I think maybe people might say, well, they've got to be more expensive because the, you know, you're not scaling, uh, that these are smaller entities and you're not kind of getting uh, sort of the bulk discount, so to speak. How, how are these, um, how do they compete with the larger, uh, more traditional nursing homes in terms of affordability? We still operate. It was important to us that we not just build something for those that have the wherewithal to pay privately, but that we've got to create respectable, dignified, humane environments that um, are supported by our current regulatory and reimbursement structures. So Medicaid is a payer. Um, 
Medicare is a payer that is more short-term rehab. So it's not for a long stay, but for a long stay, we are either looking at private funds or Medicaid funds. Every Mm -hmm. state does it a little bit differently. Some states, it's a little easier to achieve financial viability um, supported by Medicaid funding. So we've got some operators of greenhouse homes that will have 60-70% of Medicaid within their um, greenhouse homes. Other states, a fraction of that. And so we work really hard to, to figure out how we can achieve financial viability. Medicare is a good payer uh, for short-term rehab. So what happens in the case of a community in, in Boston where they actually have 10 greenhouse homes together. So to your point about kind of trying to gain some efficiencies and share some of those fixed costs, Mm -hmm. um, they're able to do it um, by having so many homes. But 30% or three homes are dedicated to short-term rehab where Medicare is the payer. And that helps to subsidize then some of the the losses um, associated with Mm -hmm. Medicaid, which is a, a poor or payer. Um, and so it's, you know, just really making sure we work with each individual organization to figure out how do we achieve financial viability? We know what we want to create. And so let's go, let's develop. We have our own financial feasibility model that plugs in staffing assumptions. And we also believe in paying a living wage. And so we recommend paying our workforce um well, we recommend in our, our model um, a 10% increase. Some have done even more than a 10% uh, to make sure that they are able to achieve a better uh, wage, which makes it a, a better job, which we believe translates to better care. Mm-hmm. That that seems very clear. And I've spoken to like uh, Meredith Patterson, for example, mm-hmm. um, who is another guest of mine who talks about the exact same thing, where if you're not paying your staff properly, don't expect high quality work. Right. You know, you've right. got a morale issue there. Hi there. Spring has definitely sprung and I'm seeing little purple crocuses popping up in my neighborhood. And to celebrate the season, I'm taking $20 off of my popular Zestful Aging web course. You will learn the tried and true ways to add zest and vitality to your life. And it comes with a booklet I made just for the course. It's all based on science and my 30 years as a psychotherapist. So Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com for more information and use the code SPRING2021. You will get $20 off the course and it is going to be a great way to start the season. Now back to the show. So what's your sense of... uh, if this idea, this project, these projects, are they are they gaining momentum now? As I think more and more people are, are in the demographic that this becomes very relevant. Are you seeing traction? You know, COVID has uh, shown the light on nursing homes, not just in the U.S. but globally, and we have had international interest in our work. It's uh, interesting, just before the pandemic, we actually had a visit from a contingent 
appointed by the Royal Commission on Aged Care in Australia mm. that visited uh, greenhouse homes in Boston. And they were literally on a worldwide tour, pre-pandemic, <laughs> obviously. But wow. to really identify who's doing what well and just really honored um, to have met a couple individuals that uh, were kind of on this quest to understand what's what's innovative, what's working with regards to a long-term care. And they have um, issued a report that, it's a long report, I haven't, it just came out recently and I haven't had a chance to pour through it. But reportedly, um, I'm told that, you know, they really believe smaller is better and we've got to create small homes. Um, we've done some work in Israel where we, uh, help them to kind of uh, pre-pandemic once again figure out what it, it looks like to model after the greenhouse concepts and philosophy and really create smaller we again really advocate for privacy um, domestically in the United States I can't tell you the increase in interest first of all from the media but uh, secondly you know providers developers we even have some consumer advocates that are saying, we've got to make this happen. I think with aging demographics, I mean, we are definitely looking at a global aging phenomenon, and we've got to put our heads together and say, how do we build a coalition that says enough already? We've seen what COVID does to our traditional structures and the systems that support them it's time for change and so it's that level of interest um broad spectrum of of individuals i i was just talking to someone this morning she says i've got land what can i do and uh, to make something happen because uh, in this particular case she had lost a loved one to covid um, that had been oh. in a nursing home oh, and so it was near and dear to her heart and she just says, whatever it takes, I just uh, can't let that death be in vain. Wow, that's fascinating. And what's interesting is this is the silver lining, right? But it's right. only a very small part of the story. I mean, you know, we want everybody to be safe from contagion. But what I think about as a mental health mm. professional is who wants to live in a place where you feel like you're in a warehouse? Exactly. I mean, just the joy and the, you know, the opportunity and and the quality it's night and day it is night and day and you you articulated that so well and I said well of course you're a social worker and you bring <laughs> such a valuable lens to the conversation um, one thing that we have coined in greenhouse that I think helps to encapsulate what you said we believe it's all about relationships and in fact we call it relationship rich person directed living and I think so often we talk about person-centered care mm -hmm. as if I am what my care would dictate, you know, what kind of care I need and center it on who I am. But we say, no, it's about relationships that enable a person direct to direct their life. And that it's not just having your care needs met, but engaging in purposeful living, meaningful and purposeful living. And that happens when you've got consistent staff and you are able to build a relationship. And I'll, I'll back up to the family, um, the ban on visitation. I think one reason that greenhouse homes fared well 
is that our care partners really became surrogate family members. They knew those residents living in greenhouse homes so well. And they knew when somebody just, you need to talk to your daughter, don't you? And they'd pull out their cell phone and do Mm -hmm. FaceTime um, Mm -hmm. just because they were so in touch and had built relationships, not just with the resident, but with the resident's family. And so that they were able to communicate and anticipate needs and, and, and just operate at a whole different level. And I think when they were missing their loved ones, and nobody replaces them by any stretch. But I, I think it, it just from the anecdotes, the stories that we've heard and celebrated, it was that deep knowing and that connection with the family and the resident as a unit that really made some of those outcomes possible. And it's not just sweet. It is backed by science. And as you know, the Harvard study of adult development, what was their big takeaway? Love. You need relationships. This is the longest study on adult development to date. It's like now in its 85th year. That's what they come up with for keeping us healthy and well. And so I think it's so important to underscore this is scientifically proven. It's just not some sort of, you know, hippie social work idea. That sounds nice. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I would say that oftentimes our traditional structures and systems, um, well, it it is more a fear-based culture. And I think it's fear that we're going to get sick, fear that the regulations won't let us do that, that we're going to get punished for doing something. Everything operates out of a, a place of fear. And I just think when we let love lead, and when we really just uh, prioritize, in fact, we uh, we had a video that was called Where Love Matters, and mm-hmm. where we really believed that our environments were really places where it actually matters. And we wanted to, to develop um, a love culture, if you will, a culture of love instead of fear, that, that love is the antidote to fear. And that when you prioritize people, um, and have that sense of love and well-being, lead with love. Um, and again, it sounds soft and squishy mm-hmm. and everything else, but I I felt I could go there because you brought the research into it, and that it, <laughs> yeah. it really is scientific. And mm-hmm. um, I think the more we will kind of understand more of our hardwiring and uh, neurocircuitries and so forth, I think it, it's going to become even more clear how important that is. What a wonderful time in history um, to to be more clear about what people really need and want and how they thrive in their older years. I mean, that is just revolutionary. And I'm hoping with President Biden, there will be some even more traction as people continue to bring up this, uh, you know, we're all aging, we need to make some decisions, you know, will you help us? Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I I feel very optimistic. I think by nature I'm an optimist, but that having been said, I, I just feel that given what we've been through, um, and you called it a silver lining, and I couldn't agree more that there is a silver lining, and that is, it's an opportunity for mm-hmm. us to say, now we know 
the system is broken. And so we've got to find solutions. And Mm -hmm. we build upon what we know has worked well. And I think the greenhouse model helps us to reimagine nursing homes. Um, And we've got a model that worked well during the pandemic. What do we need to do um, systemically to make this more widely available um, so that it becomes really, when you think nursing homes, it's a new way of imagining what they look like, what they feel like, and what it would be like to, to live in one. You know, Susan, when you talk about it, I can just hear the your voice is, um, you, you're obviously so proud. It's like you're talking about a child or something, you know, your your voice is so full of love and so full of um, tenderness uh, when you talk about this. And I'm wondering if you feel like your uh, role in um, promoting Greenhouse Project, is that part of your legacy? You know, it really is. I did... Um long-term care, then home care, and went back into long-term care. It is a personal passion. And, you know, the almost my entire career was spent in uh, senior living. And I can tell you there was a time that I tried to keep people out of nursing homes and just keep everybody at home. And I love home care. I'm, I'm not saying I decided that doesn't work, but I know there are constraints with home care cost prohibitive and socially isolating. We've got to have respectable long-term care environments. And so in my, what I have left in my career, I am just so dedicated to making sure that we really keep the conversation at the forefront and really recognize that there are options. And the, the option that is most compelling right now is the greenhouse model. And I'm going to leverage whatever voice I have for as long as I have uh, Mm -hmm. to see that we make it a model that is accessible Mm -hmm. and affordable for everybody. Shout it from the rooftops. You got it. So um, I'd like to sign up for a future spot. Sounds That's wonderful. <laughs> I call it my retirement planning, so I'm with yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking of the gardening and um, how wonderful that is. And they've used gardening, of course, therapeutically for all kinds of uh, people with all kinds of needs and challenges. And we know that it has some uh, very beautiful effects on people's wellness. How can people learn more about uh, the Greenhouse Project and what you offer and how they may even access um, a spot for a loved one or themselves? Sure. Probably the best place to go would be our website, and it is thegreenhouseproject.org, all lowercase. And um, listen, we have a podcast as well. It's called Elevate Elder Care. And ah. I I interview guests as well. And it's nice to be on the other side. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I've learned a lot from uh, those that have perspective on what we need to do. This was a podcast we started in the pandemic, just really trying to assemble thought leaders, you know, with different mm-hmm. perspectives. What do we need to do? How do you see it? And so um, Elevate Elder Care on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Mm -hmm. and that links on our website as well. But there is a map on our website that shows you where there are greenhouse homes uh, currently located. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, those will be put in the show notes so people can find you. What about on social? Are you active on social media? We are. We're very active on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. And those are all hashtag greenhouse project. Yes. Okay. Sounds great. We want to lead people there. Susan, it was really lovely to speak with you today, not only to get the information and the and the facts on why this is a better, clearly a better solution for all of us and our loved ones, but just to hear the, the passion and dedication in your life. And I have to tell you, that's what makes my job so fun, mm. is hearing mm-hmm. people talk about, you know, their contribution, how much they are so personally invested and it's really an honor to have the chance to speak with you today. Nicole, thank you so much for the opportunity. I enjoyed the conversation and I I hope we can uh, do it again sometime. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.